Thank you all so much for coming. Um, yes, definitely, we do need the uh, the heat, the fire of Rabbi Nachman. Uh, this is really, um, we had uh, not gotten to this material la- uh, last week, and I definitely want to give it uh, its due, and uh, to spend uh, some time learning through a very difficult sugya in Rabbi Nachman, but I think perhaps one of the central sugyas, one of the central aspects of Rabbi Nachman. Last week, we were discussing Rabbi Nachman's personality uh, through statements that he made to his followers and uh, that were recorded for posterity, and uh, and what I intended to do last week, and you know I guess uh, you know we have uh, lots of thoughts and uh, we don't necessarily get to bring them all to fruition, but what I intended to do is to show how deeply suffering and how deeply uh, dealing with pain and what to do in the face of pain and suffering, uh, how deeply that's embedded. Uh, I think in a central way, in the figure of Nachman and who he was, and uh, and really a, a a thread that 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 goes throughout all his Torahs. Even though we've said in the first year, Nachman said, you know, Kol Inyan Shali Rosh Hashanah, or my entire Inyan, everything about me is Eretz Yisrael. Really, if you look throughout Rabbi Nachman's works, there's like two things, two ideas that keep on getting repeated over and over again. One, I believe is suffering, and this is all with the caveat that I haven't seen so much, and I don't, there's plenty of people that have better handle on this stuff, but at least for me, one of the most central themes that we see is suffering and the hitmodidut, the coping with suffering, what to do in the face of suffering and pain. And then the second is, uh, is, is a somewhat related concept that we're going to talk about next week, hopefully, which is the concept of Chakira B'mufla, uh, which is Rabbi Nachman's Torah, which he constantly says again and again about what to do with questions uh, of faith, questions uh, directed towards God, questions on faith, and, um, and, and that I also think is a central theme, and the two are, are indeed connected, and hopefully we'll be able to, to show a little bit tonight, but, um, but be that as it may, we didn't get to it last week, and I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about suffering. Uh, this Shabbos, I, I'll, I'll be mocked in and say that this Shabbos, I had, a, I had a really a pleasure of being uh, back at YU. Um, it was, um, I, I was almost surprised. I mean, I thought it would be okay, but I was almost surprised at how nostalgic it was and how sweet it was uh, to be back and to spend time at YU. Is, um, it seems very healthy there. Um, the guys uh, that I interacted with on Shabbos, and I'm sure the same is of the, is of the, the Stern campus as well. Uh, it seemed like a very healthy type of Yiddishkeit, the kind of uh, happiness uh, pervaded. And um, it's something that maybe I didn't uh, necessarily uncover when I was there. But I spoke at Shalashudis, and that Shalashudis, uh, I don't think I made too much a fool of myself, but what I talked about was that the Torah was given with suffering and also with the recognition of human frailty and sin. Uh, I mentioned two Midrash, and the first Midrash we've talked about together, we've talked about Rabbi Yekiva um, and Moshe Rabbeinu asking uh, to see, you know, Rabbi Akiva Schar and uh, being shown a, a grisly scene and the fact that you know Moshe Rabbeinu sort of asks in, in the most poignant terms of Torah right this is Torah and the reward is this kind of suffering and then we also saw another um, another medrash that, that Chazal described that when Moshe went up to the heavens, right, these beautiful midrashans start with the, all start with the lines, at the time that Moshe, Moses ascended upon high, and that the Malachim didn't want to, you know, Malachim didn't want the Torah to be given uh, to human beings. And God basically says to them, you know, do you feel jealousy? You know, in the Torah it says, you know, that do you feel uh, taiva? Do you feel desire? It says, 
do you feel any sort of uh, anger or cause? It says, it's, it's obviously written for human beings and their frailties and their failings. That's who the Torah is directed to. So I, I talked about that and I, I mentioned something from the Ish Kodesh who we're familiar with as well. So my brother was telling me after Shabbos uh, his impressions on the, on the Shabbos. He was like, I guess, my handler. Uh, he was telling me his impressions and he said, my friends want to know, and this was a real conversation. He says, my friends want to know, you know, you seemed very happy at the meal. You seemed, you know, you seemed you had a smile on your face. You seemed like a happy guy. So what's with all the talk about suffering? What's with all the talk about uh, about pain and 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 the void and and uh, and rede- and redeeming suffering? Like why does that take such a central? Like why you you almost seem to enjoy talking about it? So I said to my brother, and and I, I believe this to be true. It was a spur of the moment response. I said because I believe that that by by engaging with this topic of suffering, which is inex- inescapable, it's everywhere. By engaging with it in a, in, a, in a direct and in an honest manner, I think that a person goes ahead and they're able to go ahead and to recognize the times when they're not suffering per se, and to be able to derive real joy out of that. I said that's what I do. You know, like when when you, when you look and you, and you descend and you and you and you plunge yourself into these depths, this abyss of despair and suffering, wherever it may be, and, and, you, and, you, and you confront it head on, and you don't try and be misalim, you don't try and ignore it. So what that does, I believe that it creates a kind of contour of appreciation of, of everyday experience, that, that any moment, right, that any moment that a person is not suffering is a moment uh, where they should be expressing joy over the fact. The, the flip side, the, the negative and the unhealthy um, way of expressing that is a way that I express myself a lot is the feeling that whatever good you have is going to be taken away from you, right? That's, that's like a kind of anxiety when things are good. And I guess a very special Jewish kind of anxiety. It's too good right now. Something must be up, right? Um, I'll say, I'll say what, what might appear as a sacrilegious thought, um, but I, I'll say it anyway, right? Um, so in the Haftorah, this, this past week's parsha, we read... Uh, Eliyahu Navi is, is, is stuck in a moment, right? You have Nevi'eh Abal, you have the prophets of the Savodah Zara that are standing on one side, and everybody's waiting to see who's going to be proven correct, right? Avodah Zara doesn't have to prove itself because there's nothing to prove, there's nothing behind it, right? There's nothing there. What you see is what you get, and, and that's it. And you get what you, right? You get what you get, you don't get upset, but it's Avodah Zara. It's Avodah Zara, there's nothing behind it. But with God, we can't see, we can't, it's intangible and abstract and, and, and true. So it's not, it's not so, you can't, just, you can't just prove it, you can't see it, it's not the chush, right? It's not the chush, there's no sense, there's no, there, there's no sensory aspect of it. We believe in it, faith, faith means we try. We don't proof of it, but we believe in it. So I said it's almost not Jewish, right? It doesn't seem Jewish that Eliyahu Navi calls out to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and he says, if you're going to prove, basically, essentially, if you're going to prove me right, let this fight, you know, I'm going to read the Pesukim, because it's so, it's so striking. It's so striking, right? So Yohan Navi says, right, he's got all these Nevi'ah, Baal there, and, and everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen. Who's Hashem going to prove right? I mean, listen to this. Listen to this. Haftorah from this past week's Parsha. So he says, so, so Yohan calls out, he says, He says, cry on a loud voice, for Hashem is the God. And perhaps he's conversing. Eliel ridiculed them. Call out to your gods, right? Maybe they're asleep. Right? Maybe, they're, maybe they're busy right now. Vikru called Godol. And then what happens? The God doesn't answer them. They call out to God. There's no answer. 
says them, draw near. And Eliyahu sets up basically a makeshift Mizbeach. And with this Mizbeach, he's going to prove the Nevi'ah Baal wrong. He's prove Hashem Elokim. And we find that Eliyahu Anavi says at the end, he says, God Almighty, the God of our patriarchs, I'm not up here to prove myself, right? I want you to show everybody that you're the true God. I want you to show everybody. <coughs> and then the Pasuk almost has a pause, right? Elio has issued this tremendous prayer. He's shown he has no personal interest in this prayer. Right? There's nothing here for Eliyahu. He's doing this solely for, for Kvod, Kvod Shamayim. And then there's a pause in Pasuk. And Eliyahu calls out even harsher. Answer me, God. Answer me. Right? You can feel like the tension. You can cut it with a knife. Right? Everybody's waiting. So Nevi'ah Baal haven't been answered. In Keshev. God hasn't listened. Their God hasn't listened to them. Of course. Right? Because their God is a false God. But Eliyahu is, is waiting. He's in the lurch almost. He says, and he also tells God, right? You're going to turn their hearts back to you. Right? You could also read the You're the one that turned their hearts away from you in the first place. You're responsible for this. And then what happens? Finally, right? So finally, God sends down the fire. It's indisputable. God does a miracle. I said, it's almost like not Jewish. Chalila. Right? Ishtaka Dover. It's almost not Jewish because it's almost like we're used to expecting Eliyahu or the Tzaddik to not being answered. Right? What is this business that like you're actually asking God and God is actually fulfilling the prayer in the actual way, literally the way that you want it to happen? We're used to Hashem answering our prayers in ways that we can't understand and that no is also an answer and that we don't always get what we want and it's not about us. All the answers that we've gotten for the reasons that we don't have what we want for the reasons that our lives are the way that they are. So to have Elio answered in this fashion, in such a stark, obvious, clear way, that everybody immediately, it's incontrovertible, Hashem Elohim, Hashem Elohim, which is always true regardless of what the answer to Elio Anavi was. But it almost seems, it's, it's surreal, right? It's, it's surreal that there's such, a, such an answer here, right? that the tzaddik is answered like that. Rabbi Nachman, I think, operates in a world where the tzaddik doesn't necessarily get his answer. Where the tzaddik, it's like the rest of us. Where it's like everyday life. It's not at the top of our Carmel with Nivea Bal. And it's not with the Neish coming down from Shamayim. And it's not with everybody saying and being Modash Hamalukim. That's a world of doubt. And it's a world where we don't find our answers. So I want to review. Looking at source number four. We mentioned that Rabbi Nachman was young. One of his earliest works was the Sefer Amidot. Rabbi Nachman wrote in an aphoristic manner uh, different cryptic lines. And I, I also pointed out there's a work uh, on this called Olam Amid, uh, not Olam Amidos, I forgot the name of the work now. Uh, there's a work, a scholar went ahead and he basically showed the Torah sources for every single one of these cryptic, you know, aphoristics, you know, a- lines. So Rabbi Nachman writes, It's a great thing to learn by the rivers. We talked about Rabbi Nachman himself last week, that he would go out on the river. So if you look at the footnote over here, so Rabbi Nachman ex- explicates the idea elsewhere. In Likut Maran, such an important, maybe fundamental, one of the most fundamental Torahs in Likut Maran. So Rinachman says, Da, you should know. By being mechadesh, by, by having novel ideas in Torah, by creating, being creative with Torah, 
So rivers are created. When a person begins to develop new ideas, to be creative, and to, and to have new novel ideas in Torah, quotes a Pasuk from Yoel. He says that when a person starts to be Mechadish in Torah, it becomes like we call them a Mayan Amisgaber, an overflowing spring. Right? The Torah is always compared to water. It's the most, uh, one of the most fundamental metaphors for Torah is water. Everybody that's thirsty should go to water. And the water goes to the lowest place. Torah goes to the lowest place and sustains the lowest. So he quotes the Pasuk from Yoel. It's a famous parak in Yoel. Yoel Parak Dalit is the parak about beating plowshares into, uh, so, uh, beating the swords. Uh, beating plowshares into swords, beating the swords into plowshares, my mistake. Right? And, and Rashi says, Mayan Yotzim Beis Hashem. So he says, that's the, uh, that talks about the fact that from the Beis Hamikdash, from there, so we have, it becomes like an overflowing spring and sustains all of mankind. Shua Seichel, and that's referring to Beis Hashem for us, in the absence in lieu of a Beis Hamikdash of, of, of stones and wood. So our Beis Hamikdash is the seed of the intellect. And the Mayan, the stream, that goes forth is the human creativity that constantly creates new, right? We literally, a stream of thought, right? In English, we even call it that. Everybody comes to drink from your rivers. If you want to create new Torah ideas that have something to them, you want to say something real in Torah, you've got to cry beforehand. The person has to cry, they have to cry over your Torah. When everybody comes to take from your Torah, from your novel ideas, so he says there's going to be bad people, they're going to use it for nefarious purposes, or subversive purposes, they'll abuse the Torah that you say. So he says by crying, by crying, by going ahead and, and crying over your Torah, am I going to say something wrong? It's like the, 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 the tefillahs that people say, right, that we shouldn't be brought, Right, there our words shouldn't cause a stumbling block for anybody. That we should interpret the Torah in the truest fashion. So we cry over it beforehand. Because we could go and we could say the wrong thing. Or we, could, we could inspire somebody the wrong way. Or make Torah into a samavas, turn into not water but a poison. So cry over it first. And by crying, you go ahead and you push away those people that were going to drink from it. Right, the negative way. Sari so Nachman talks about Naharos. He says, it's great to learn by rivers. Maybe this sheds a little bit of light. Maybe it sheds a little bit of light onto what those rivers look like. Rivers of tears and then rivers of Torah. So let's take a look at source number six now. So we said we were going to talk to Rabbi Nachman on suffering. So we do a few texts tonight. And these texts are hopefully representative, but by no means exhaustive, of Rabbi Nachman's ideas about suffering. And we'll see it's actually a Torah Shlema. It's a, it's, it's a Mishnah, Mishnah Sidura, Kavanaki, that the way Rabbi Nachman talks about suffering, so, so he even has typologies of the way we experience it, it's, the sophistication here is immense. So let's take a look. Source number six, Chaim Oran. Chaim Oran, we mentioned, was a work by Rabbi Nachman's Tamar of Nasan's Chusia Gainaleinu. So Nasan went ahead and collected, you know, different Tanhagos, different ways in which Rabbi Nachman carried himself and conducted himself. So Chaim Oran. Amar, Rabbi Nachman said, Right, it's important to remember, right? What gives Rabbi Nachman the right to talk about suffering? Right, what gives anybody the right to talk about suffering? The truth is, is that we could only, I think it's truism that we could only hear about suffering or learn about suffering, especially from a Torah perspective, when it comes from a person who knows what it is. Right? Only the sufferer, only the sufferer, only the person who knows suffering intimately from, from a phenomenological perspective, they've experienced it, can they go ahead and darshan and, and talk about suffering? 
I think. I think. Otherwise, it comes off, if you're ever suffering, you know, I was at a shiva recently. I was at a shiva recently. And, and it happened, right? It happened. What happened? You know, you ever been to a shiva and you have somebody that tries to give like a musashir at the shiva? Some rabbi walks in, somebody, some, some dude that calls himself a rabbi comes in and starts telling the family, starts telling bereaved parents, oh, you know, the neshamas in Gan Eden, and they're, you know, not only are they in a better place, but they were supposed, like, they start every cliche possible, every cliche possible, in the most insensitive manner, that the person is at the certain point just listening to them speak, I'm the big rabbi and I'm giving, it was disgusting. I walked over to the family members, I walked over to, I said, do you want me to put an end to this? I was like, I was so incensed. What is Ziyafat Torah? This is what they need to hear right now? How inappropriate? What an inappropriate way to talk to somebody? Every cliche in the book, tossing at them. Right, and sometimes when people are, when people live lives a certain way, it's because they have neshamas that are like this. Who, who told you? and get out of there and if you're friends with them just give them a shoulder to cry on how dare you right so when, but when somebody suffers right so when somebody else is suffering so then it was amazing right afterwards another bereaved parent came in and sat down right next to the people sitting shiva I was like somebody that knows how to talk to them right you have to notice these things you have to notice these things that's far better than any drasha from a rabbi at a shiva house Anyway, Sir Binachman, what, what gives him the right to talk about? Sir Binachman lost two daughters at birth. Binachman lost two infant sons. And uh, the death of his infant sons was for Binachman no less than a uh, catastrophe of messianic portions. Binachman describes messianic significance to, to, the, to the loss of one son in particular. And, uh, and Binachman himself suffered immensely from, from, uh, from tuberculosis. Couldn't find any couldn't find any remedy for it, died very young, was chased around, right? People asked, right, what was his sufferings? Chased around, his followers were ridiculed, mocked, also chased around, many enemies that were mavaza him for doing his thing. So Rabbi Nachman knew suffering. I think we could all agree on that. Rabbi Nachman says, from that which I reveal on the outside, right, from that which the way I appear on the outside, so you don't have to really learn so much from that. Even though you see me, it seems to you, it might seem to you that in general, I'm quite sad. But don't learn from that. What do you have to do? It's upon you to be always happy. Simcha, we're going to translate as happy. There's so much more to Simcha. You should be happy. Simcha Tamid. You probably have heard famous line from Binach when it comes to the Kutmaran, Tinyana Torah Chavdalid, Mitzvah Gedola Lios Besimcha Tamid. It's a great mitzvah to always be Besimcha. We're going to come back to this Torah at the end. Rinachman says that it's upon a person, it's incumbent upon an individual, right? Not to ignore the fact that, that there's reasons to be sad, but of the Cholsos, right? In any event, to push yourself, it's a work. It's like, it's hard work, but you push yourself to be Besimcha. There's all kinds of tricks that we do. Right, the great klal of the, the great klal of the Sefer Achinoch when he talks about the mitzvahs, Zachary Apuulas Nimshachan Alavavus. You do things that make you happy, right? And and by doing things that make you happy, you're smiling even when you shouldn't be smiling. So the body responds, the mind responds to that. That being besimcha is an avoda. It's hard work. 
but nevertheless, you still have to try and do that. So we're going to come back to, to the end of the show. We're going to come back to Torah, Chavdalid, and Likut Tumaran Tinyana. But Rabbi Nachman says, He said this all the time. If you guys want to make yourselves like me, right? If you want to imitate my ways and follow in the ways of the tzaddik, you want to be like me in so many ways, you should also know that in truth, I too am happy. So that's a mouthful. Rabbi Nachman actually does over here. He's describing his shlichus, the way he saw his mission in very stark ways. Rabbi Nachman says, the reason that I don't seem externally happy is because I've got a lot of work to do. You know, Rabbi Nachman describes his work. He says, there's a path. There's a path, an ancient path. And that path is covered with trees that have been growing for thousands of years. And those trees have blocked the path. And these trees and this thicket that you can't see through this deep, thick forest. So my job is to go ahead and every day I go down that road and I whittle away a little bit more at those trees. Right? These ancient trees, these massive sequoias. A little bit. A little bit every single day with every word of Torah Rabbi Nachman said. He was whittling away at those trees. Right? It's like, it's like moving a, 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 a beach from one place to another by taking a grain of sand. Right, it's an endless, right, ancient avoda. It's atik. What's machmas mean? Machmas because. because. Machmas. The reason I need be I'm, I'm happy. I'm joyous in my task, but I'm I'm at work. I'm at work. I'm doing hard work. I'm I'm chopping down trees. Right, I'm I'm out in the fields. I'm I'm out on this road. I'm I'm chopping things down. I'm already trying to clear the path so there could be a derech kavush l'rabim that everybody could come down. And walk down this path. So what you see is not really so much sadness as it is worry. Will I have the ability to chop down the thicket in time before I'm taken? Right. Obviously, the the motif of trees over here, I think, is a significant one in the sense that that the trees are a primordial reason, I guess, for sadness and for daga, for worry. Right. Eitzadas tovara. We have two typologies of trees. Right. We have a tree that induces doubt tree that represents sin, tree that represents sin. And that doubt and sin is the cause for great pain and great suffering. Most of it comes from doubt, right? Doubt itself. We say that the Gemara Zvachim tells us, and Tzadi, the Gemara Zvachim tells us, Ein simcha There's no joy like getting rid of the suffix. So if you want to go ahead, you chop down the Eitzadas Tavura, right? You chop it down. You get rid of the suffix. Get rid of doubts. And you try and get people to Ilana Dechaya, the tree of life. So that he says, that's why I'm Badag Pirov. That's what Rabbi Nachman describes. He says, externally it seems like I'm sad. And I don't want you to, to follow me in that way. Even though you follow me in everything. Internally I'm happy. I'm worried, but I'm happy. I'm busy, but I'm happy. So he says you should know this. And he describes his mission. He describes what he's doing. He's chopping down trees. He's opening up a, a closed path for everybody. So if you look at the next source, Likut Maran. So we talked about a direct engagement with suffering, that Rabbi Nachman had no illusions about suffering. And it's really, it's unheard of to see in Torah writing, really, this such a direct engagement with the suffering. I mean, it's, it's, it's Eovesque almost, right? It's a clear and sober appreciation of just the way the world is. And one who speaks like this all the time, 
might be accused, I guess as my brother's friends accused me, it's like, why are you talking about suffering so much? Right? Why are you focusing on that so much? Srinachman writes, Nikutmaran, his magnum opus. So far so good, everybody's with us. We're we're with, we're together. Diberi Lamaze. Rabbi Nachman spoke with us many times with the sufferings of this world. Everybody in the world is filled with suffering. It doesn't seem there's a single person that really truly has this world, has a grasp on olamazeh, that they have this world. Even the very wealthy, even the great officers of government and leaders, you really go into that they don't really have this world. Right? What's going on? Their days are filled with anger and pain. And everybody is filled with worry and burdens and a little bit of sadness and crying out and sighing all the time. And everybody's got their own unique special suffering. Right? Everybody's got like some unique uh, cocktail of suffering. Right? This one has the medical issue, Khalila, but they also, they also have, you know, the medical issue is affecting, you know, the insurance didn't come in, so now the medical issue becomes a financial issue. And this one, you know, they brought the kid up with the Chinuch, they invested in Jewish education, and all of a sudden the kid wants to have nothing to do with Judaism. Or this one, you know, uh, they've been waiting, they, they're watching all their friends get married, and they're sitting there alone. Not getting any dates. Or this one is getting dates, but they're not the right ones. For... Everybody's got Yisurim Yuchadim, a special kind of sensitivity to everybody's unique kind of suffering, right? Suffering is, suffering is unique. It's not, oh, we suffer. It's that we suffer in unique ways and we respond in unique ways. It's like we said in the Perki Yavashir, that quote, right? Be kind, right? First and foremost, be kind because everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about. Everybody's got a struggle you know nothing about. And no matter how good it looks on the outside, no matter how uh, sweet it may seem on the outside, we all put on a face. We all put on a mask for this world. Right? We want to portray ourselves in the best light. Hopefully, right, there's, a, there's a goodness in there because if we do so, then hopefully people will have rachamim on us or people will give us the opportunity or people won't say, oh, that person's right. It's, it's not in vogue to be sad. It's not good. So Binachman continues and he says, Not even any of these wealthy and uh, powerful people, that they have everything aligned, that everything is the way they want it. Tamid all the time. There's a striking text, right? This is, he's not holding any punches here. They're all filled with suffering always, believe it. And worries always. Anybody that's familiar a little bit with the ways of the world and the ways of people knows this to be true. We spoke about this often. Right? What kind of sensitivity is over here? You know, Rav Cook, we spoke about last year, Rav Cook writes, or before that, Rav Moshe Tzvinaria, who collected many different sayings about Rav Cook, he actually has collected a saying from a certain breast of Rav who came from Yishalayim to bring Rav Cook Lekutei Tfilos, which is a collection of Tfilos authored by Rav Nas and based on Likut Maran. And, uh, and he asked Rav Cook, and Rav Cook basically said, he was quoted by this source, as looking at it and saying, Ani Nishmas Rabbi Nachman. I am the soul of Rabbi Nachman. That's what Rav Kook said, apparently. And Rav Hill Zeitlin, in his assessment of Rav Kook, Rav Kook and Rabbi Nachman were Rav Hill Zeitlin's 
two major uh, amudim, two major people that re-engaged Hill's Eitlin with the world of Jewish thought and mysticism and the Kabbalah and the Zohar. Right? So Hill Zeitlin says, he quotes what he thinks the sources for Kuk are. He mentions, you know, Kedusha Slavi from Levi Yitzchak and Berdichev. He mentions, um, he mentions Me'ashi Loach from the Ishbitzer. He says, Valkulana, right? What he sees as the source of Kuk's Torah, Valkulana, is the Rinachmi Vraslevi Vilikutamaran. That's what he, that's what he writes. That's what, Hill's, that's what Hill's Island writes. So there's a deep affinity between Rav Kook and Rav Nachman. So Rav Kook writes in Shmada Kvatsim, I think it appears only there, Rav Kook writes that the job of a tzaddik, first and foremost, the pillar that holds up and connects the worlds and holds them together, job of the tzaddik, roi l'chot tzaddik, sheyargish tzar ha'olam. That a tzaddik, one of the maiden vocations of a tzaddik is to feel the pain of the world. Right? Not, not just Jewish suffering, not just human suffering, not just, uh, right? Not just what's, what's present now, but suffering in the future and suffering in the past. To feel that. Remember we saw that from the Code. The Code says, why are we so worried and have so many questions about our suffering now? And we don't go through a Tisha B'Av and it's not a crisis of faith? That that kind of suffering could happen also? So the Kosh answered what he answered over there. And he wrote in the footnote what he wrote in the footnote. But a tzaddik feels the pain of the world. Kuk was a vegetarian also. I don't know if it's necessarily, in, I don't know if in Chazon of Tzimchonu, He's messiachist to the... It's more of a messianic, Kabbalistic ideal, right? The perfection of the world ideal rather than a focus on suffering of the animal kingdom. But a tzaddik feels the pain of the world. A tzaddik is crushed by the pain of the world. I once remarked to somebody, I was like thinking about like the Belzer Rebbe. The Belzer Rebbe, who, who presides over one of the, the largest Jewish communities in the world, the Belzer community in Eretz Yisrael. I say, you know, as a rabbi, as a pulpit rabbi, you see, you know, sometimes people come to you Help with this, help with that, right? What can you do? Right? You hear some suffering. This family, the kid, right? kid won't get into school. Right? Stuff like that. So I said, can you imagine when it's not just a, you know, a shul here where people have psychologists, they have many other people to turn to, right? The rabbi is not the sine qua non of advice, right? We're just here to help also, do our best to try and help people out. So can you imagine being the bells thereof? Can you imagine like the weight of all those people on you? Can you imagine that? We was talking about the Sfasemes to somebody. I said, you know, Sfasemes died at 57. We, don't, we have scant personal writings of the Sfasemes. We'd love to see what, what, what's going on in there. We'd love to see the, the loftiness of that human being. Sfasemes had many Gerich Hasidim, a huge Hasidus before the world, the, before the war. Sfasemes had many Gerich Hasidim that were sent off to Manchuria to fight in the in the Indochina Wars, I believe it was. Not Indochina. Well, Russia fought in Manchuria for what? Japan. Ru- Russo-Japan Japan Wars. Japan was conquering China and uh, Russia helped uh, China. But what was the name of the wars? It was a China... Russo-Japanese China, wars. Japanese so many Gerich Hasidim were sent off to the front. They were conscripted. And apparently Sfasemis, I have to see this, right? Sfasemis used to write letters to the battlefront to be Mechazek, his soldiers, to be Mechazek, his Hasidim. Right, these Jews tossed off to fight in some meaningless war for meaningless countries. Right? So they were constricted with no care for their spiritual well-being. Sfasa, it, it, likely it seems that from what I've read from biographical detail, it killed the Sfasemes. They died a grief, died of 57. That it killed him. Right? The pain of his followers, the pain of the world, the pain of his people. So, so it led to his early... So a tzaddik feels the pain of the world. To feel the pain of the entire world. 
everywhere. And Rabbi Nachman feels it. He sees everybody suffering, no matter what mask they put on, everybody's suffering. And he's, he's unafraid to confront it. So Rabbi Nachman quotes from Eov. Rabbi Nachman says, by the way, another affinity between Rav Kook and Rabbi Nachman is that Rav Kook also lost two daughters. Right? One of them in infancy also. Right? So the affinities run quite deep. People with suffering. Adam Lamal Yulad says the Paschal of a person is born to work. Ashrei Mishamalabat Torah. And the Gemara Darshins, praiseworthy is a person whose work, who struggled, their work, Amal is real right, labor, that their labor, their toil, toil is the word, that their toil is in Torah, that they, that they sublimate their work and they work hard on Torah. Since every person is brought into this world and from the very beginning, right, the world may be nasty, brutish, life may be nasty, brutish, and short, and people might eat each other up alive if not for a government, if not for a rule of law. Right? So we're born into the world to work. It's impossible to, to run away and to escape that. Even if you had all the meaningless, frivolous things in this world, right? You could be lying on a gilded bed. You could be eating the finest delicacies. You're still going to be working. And there's going to be dagos. And there's going to be yisurim. And sometimes the worst kind of yisurim is when you don't even know that you're suffering. When you're not even aware. So what's the first piece of advice? That you turn your amal, you turn your work, you turn your efforts, you turn your toil into the toil of the service of God and the toil in the service and study of Torah. Right? At least put that work and put that effort into something, into something good. Put that effort into the amal of Torah. For this you were born. For this you were born. To recognize you were born for this. Right, you were born to toil one way or another, so let your toil be toil of Torah. And then, you'll be, and then that's praiseworthy. You'll be saved from the Amal, you'll be saved from the toil of this world, and you'll be able to merit the world to come afterwards. Rabbeinu said, Listen to this line. Everybody says, that there's this world and the next world. Right? We Jews believe that there's a world to come. And the world to come, we believe that there is a world to come. A ganeiden, a place to reap the reward. It's possible that there is also an olam hazeh, this world also. It must be somewhere. Because when I take a look around, it looks like hell. I'll read the line one more time. Because this is... This is unparalleled. Rabbi Nachman says again, Everybody says that there's Olam Azeh this world and the next. And Olam we, we believe it's one of the tenets of our faith. And you know what? It's possible there is also an Olam Hazeh somewhere. Because if you look around here, it looks like hell. Bangladesh, 110 people burnt up, right? Children are, children are starving somewhere in the world, right? People are losing their jobs and being fired en masse, right? There's racism, there's anti-Semitism, there's Rishayim. 
doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like this the world we were promised, where at least things might even be equal. It seems overwhelming, crushing pain and suffering. Because here it looks like Gehenim. Everybody's filled with pain and suffering. Tamid always. Rabbi Nachman said, "Can't be that there's this world at all. So this is like the depths. This is as deep as it goes." Right? I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with any, any more stark, unabashed, direct way of addressing a world of absurd suffering. It's like that story we said from Rav Shagar. Remember, I'm, I'll, I'll recapitulate Rav Shagar. Writes at the end of his Shiram on Likutam Aram, Rav Shagar had a very deep affinity for the Torah of Rabbi Nachman also. Rav Shagar writes deep, you know, not rambling, um, Deep riffing off of Likut Aram. Rav Shagar says, "You know how can we sum up uh, Rabbi Nachman, uh, Rabbi Nachman's Torah on this topic?" He says, "You know there was like a poor Jew and his wife, and they have no money, but they work for a paritz. They work for some nobleman, and the nobleman treats them like garbage. And the man and his wife, they daven. They're erlichayidin. They daven every single day. Hashem give us a child. And then one day the paritz comes, and the paritz says, Mazel Tov, I've had a child.'" And then the parts takes the man and he throws him into the, into a pit, throws him into jail. End of story. It's absurd. Absurdity. You expect it to be one way, but it's not. You want it one way, but it's the other. You want it one way, it's the other. Welcome to the absurd world. You know what the answer is? So at least make our amal. So we're going to toil anyway. Make the amal in tavod Hashem. Right? Tucha said, Davin. Hold on one second. Learn Torah, serve Hashem, help out people that, you, that seem to be suffering more than you. Do something to alleviate the suffering of the world. And Torah gives you a nice blueprint to do it. And have simcha. You want to find joy? Have simcha of Torah mitzvahs. Have simcha of, uh, have simcha of, uh, of tefillah. Simcha shal mitzvah. Take what you can. Yeah. I missed the whole story. When he came, did he tell the nobleman he had a son? The nobleman said, you know, Mazel Tov, I've had a son. The nobleman. Nobleman had a son. Nobleman deserves a son? Nope. I thought the poor man got the son. Nope. The nobleman put the poor man. That's what you think. Right? Even then it would still be bad. No, the nobleman comes and says, I've had a son. And you, you're going into jail. There's no connection. No connection. There's no reason. Just suffering. It's even worse. It's worse. It's worse. It could be. He has a son and as a reward. They put but you see, you see that the Russia gets answered first. People get answered. Doesn't mean it's the worst thing. They have their problems too. That's a, that's, that's, so that's a tight. That's a breast of her tight here. Right? That's very good. Right? The nobleman is suffering too. It's not fair. But that's, 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 a, that's an interesting way to, to read it. That's actually brilliant. Yeah. Ah. You know, when we make a story, when we take something and show it as a problem, sometimes it never existed, but it could be a problem. Sure. I mean, the story is meant to be, the story is meant to signal, right? It takes the trappings of a Hasidic story. You're, you're not wrong, you're right. But the story is meant to communicate the absurdity. Sometimes in our world, people think there's a problem that took place when there was no problem. It was falsehood. Twisting and making problems. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes our pl- our problems, right? Part of the work is is trying to see which problems are real, which are illusory. And, and sometimes what we have to do is look at it and say, "Thank God that wasn't really happening." 
Right, so Rabbi Nachman went so far as to create typologies of the people that react to suffering. Rabbi Nachman writes, we're not going to look at it inside, Rabbi Nachman writes, in a few places, he draws a distinction between a lev nishbar, a broken heart, and atzvus, sadness. Now, I, I want to give the caveat. Depression, as we understand, depression is a chemical imbalance, right? We, we know from the sign over there on 72nd Street. Depression is a disease, right? That's not what we're talking about, right? That's not what we're talking about. That person needs help. Needs medical help. That's a disease. That's a chemical imbalance. That's a, that's that's just that's just as much a disease. It's just as much an ailment as somebody's heart disease, Khalila, or somebody that's broken an arm. Right? We're talking about sadness. Right? We're not talking about depression, clinical depression. So that's a different thing. Right? So we're not Khalila stigmatizing, but that's not what we're talking about. Rinachman draws a distinction in Sichas Haran and Mem Aleph, famous locus for it, between a Lev Nishbar. So Rinachman says Lev Nishbar, broken heart is in the heart. The atzvus and sadness, so sadness is in the tchol. That's in the spleen. It's, it's, right? Spleen doesn't produce liver, produces bile. It's bilious, it's bile. It's called marashchora, right? Black bile. So Rinachman says, what's the difference between them? Lev nishbar, a broken heart, is chaviv ala Kadosh Baruch Hu. Kadosh Baruch Hu desires that. He loves a person with a broken heart. Hashem wants, right? Lev nishbar v'nitka Hashem lo yimas. Elokim lo yimas. Right? God doesn't push away broken hearted people. Right? We face that we face that pain and we face that broken hardness and we daven with that. That's fine. Hashem loves that. Atzvus, Sitra Achra, Khajbahu Soneota. Nachman says, Atzvus sadness. So that's Sitra Achra that comes from the other side. That's 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 it's it's demonic. Hashem hates that. The Valev Nishbar, but a broken heart. So you can think, what, what exactly is the distinction he's drawing over here? Broken heart means that the heart is open. Right? My brother had this, gave a shear. He's giving shirim on addiction. So one of the shirim he talked about, the title was, uh, there's nothing so, uh, so whole as a broken heart, and there's nothing so broken as a whole heart. Right? Somebody thinks that they have a whole heart. A broken heart means that you're opened up. Break my heart open. Open it up. Right? Split it open and, and let me melt in your, in your Torah. Let me melt in the divine goodness. Right? But a closed heart, that's a lev even, right? Even is also, a stone heart is also, it's also whole. But it's a heart of stone. Nothing could come in and nothing could come out. Right? We talk constantly about dvarim ayotzim in alev, things that come out of the heart. When it's broken open, nichnas malev, they could go into another broken heart. That's Ravina Achman's Torah, the way I experience it. Dvarim ayotzim alev, stuff that comes out of a broken heart and enters right into your own broken heart. So... With that distinction in mind, let's take a look at the last two sources. I promise uh, we'll get out in time. Next source comes from the Kutamaran as well. Source says the following. So what do we do? What do we do with a, a broken heart? Instead of falling into sadness and Khalila, depression, and being at a place where we can't do anything, right? Depression, at least I believe in a clinical sense, is like a paralysis almost. Right? You can't move. You can't move. You can't do anything. Right? So, so what do we do? How do we, how do we emerge? What do we do with the broken heart that we hopefully have? What do we do with the heart that's broken? We do the following. Even somebody that finds themselves. You guys see that? Mm-hmm. Even someone that finds themselves. So, so I want to preface this. Right? We've seen the Rabbi Nachman is unafraid of the abyss, is unafraid of, of talking, talking the void, of talking about the suffering. So now, hopefully... 
right? When we plunge into that, when we come out from it, what we take out from it is actually something, uh, something beautiful. Because the same person is going to be telling us these words, right? The Leo's Tamid and what we're going to see here, right? That same individual is telling us the following things as well. Even the person finds himself in the lowest possible place. God save us. Even if you're down in the deepest pit possible. God save us. Do not give up hope. Right? So this can be interpreted in two ways. One who's admired and enmeshed in sin, on the low level of sin. But I think on a deeper level, somebody that's on the lowest level of this kind of atzvus, of this kind of marashchora, this kind of uh, sadness, encompassing, para- paralyzing sadness. So don't give up hope. Like Yonah, Ben Amitai, from the pit and the belly of the beast, he said, from the, from the stomach of Sheol, from the stomach of this void, of this pit, Shavati, I cried out to you. Right? Like David HaMelech says, Right? Even though I cry and call out, Right? So I hope you're going to answer me. And you have to strengthen yourself with what you can. To go back and to draw oneself into the Amalash of Torah that we talked about and find your joy there. To find life. To find a reason to get up. To get out of the couch. To get out of bed. To go out into the world to do something. That happens through the tzaddik. Sometimes the tzaddik that pulls you up, that drags you up out of Gehenim by your very pace. So the main thing is just to try and strengthen yourself in any way possible. There is no such thing as giving up hope in the world at all. Right? Right? Stated as a fact. Right? He's not, he's not saying you shouldn't have yeyosh or don't have yeyosh. It's not what he's saying. Yenachin saying, there's no such thing as yesh. Right? There's no such thing as giving up hope. Right? That no matter how bad, there's always a scintilla, there's always a shred of light, there's always something that a person could grasp onto and say, this is, gonna be, this is how I'm going to be machazik myself. This is what I'm going to go ahead and give myself chazik. You have to find it. You have to find it in a kub tova. Ain't from yesh. It's just not present. Yesh, giving up hope is an illusion. It's an out. Once again, we're not talking about people that, that are suffering clinically. Right? We're talking about us. Right? Ancient years, Volum Klal. Oh, Josh, I'm trying to, I'm sort of stuck here a little because I'm just trying to understand the message. Because when I think of my, my child, my daughter, I'm trying to think of her in, in a happy place, in a happy world, in a, in a good place. And I'm just, yeah. I'm a little, so, I'm right. so, 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 okay. So, so, so that's, that's, that's a good thing, meaning like why it's not helpful to go in to say, you know, we want people to be happy. Um, it's not all bad. Right? It's not all bad. Right? He's saying, Rabbi Nachman is, is, not, is not saying this is all the time or everywhere. He's saying this is omnipresent. So that's number one. Right? There doesn't mean there's no joy in the world because he constantly encourages us to find it. Right? Yeah. He's very aware of the joy. And we'll, and we'll see in a moment. Right? But also, but also part of that, I mean, uh, like any parent knows, right? We... We worry. I mean, there will be tsar. And, uh, there will be tsar. We put effort into our kids. We put a lot of our anxieties we toss into our kids. Um, I experience parenthood as a joyous thing, but also tremendously anxiety-producing. Right? The doubt of what's going to be. Every parent has experienced this. 
So hopefully, right, the bracha that we hope to receive is that it's overwhelmingly positive and good. But that doesn't mean that's not with that. And it doesn't mean it at all times for every single person. But I'm sure if you ask anybody, there were times in any type, that any, any child, right, that, that raising them carried some sort of challenge, some sort of pain, some sort of atzvus. Right, so it's, it's all there. We want the best. We want the best. Right, but I'm talking more about the child, about having the child think of the world as basically... Right, so um, this, is not for, this is not for children, I, I guess, right? We want to we wanna tell children, we want to well, say even, children, yeah, even young, mitz, adults, mitzvah, right? uh, young adults, I would say that this is actually probably appropriate for. Right, sober up. The world is... The world is the world. Yeah, don't be myopic, don't, don't be myopic. The world sobers them. you. That's right, you're pushing them... To the to the depression or not even. The but then I say to them afterwards, I, I want I want I don't want to push them. To that. I want an awareness, awareness of what is, a sensitivity to what is. And encouragement that things. And then afterwards, you teach them the same thing. In one hand, you hold right. that, and in the other hand, you say them ain't shem yeh klal, and mitzvah gedolios v'sim chatamid. Right. You say that the same individual that taught us, that, that, that taught us in no uncertain terms how bad it is, also says that you have a chova not to give up hope. You have a chova to be besim chatamid. They have reason to rejoice. And the reason to rejoice is to be found in, 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 in Torah writ large, in, in our families of Torah, in our communities of Torah, in our study of Torah, in our joy of Torah. Absolutely, these things come. That's why I'm immediately oscillating to this. Right? Rabbi Nachman constantly is, 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 is shifting between these two poles of existence. So you tell, you tell your kids both things. You tell your kids, yeah, it's bad, but don't give up hope. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not Rabbi Nachman. It's not Rabbi Nachman. This comes from Chazal. Chazal tells What's the Malach? The Malach is to fix the world. You see, you can't go ahead and ignore that. But you also recognize it's not going to be you that's going to finish it. Rabbi, you, you mean you point out to the child what's bad in the world, but you say you have to work... Again, I, I don't know what the appropriate age... I don't know if, I, if you would ask me to rate this, but you point it out to somebody. Here's, here's the sober assessment, and here's what to do about it. But it sounds like, like you're saying Rav Nachman is coming from a place where he lost children and a very, very Fair. harsh, yeah. negative... I don't know who's like the word negative. But no, no, but, very, but it's true. Sad. But this is also not. This is also... This is, I, don't know, I don't know of any more... I don't know of any more encouraging... Um, any more encouraging, strengthening Torah than, than, than something like this. Afilu imunach b'sho'o tachtios. Let's say you are like that. Let's say you are in the deepest depths. Don't give up hope. Only Rabbi Nachman could say that because he recognizes what that is. Don't give up hope. That's so, that, to me, that's so empowering. To me, that's so emboldening. Right? He says, connect to a tzaddik, connect to something bigger. There's no way to give up. There's no, there's no such thing as giving up hope. It doesn't exist. There's always hope. Rabbi Nachman drew out those words long, like a prayer. Ein yeish, ve'amram ve'koach gadol, and he said it with a great strength and force. But amkus nifla with a magnificent, wondrous depth. Ve'noram ha'od k'dei lahorus l'ram is called ech ve'ech l'doros to teach every single person for generations. Shalay yisyaish v'sumo from olam. Don't give up hope ever. Filim yavra love man, no matter what passes over you. But it sounds to me like he's. This is all about faith. Where did he, not, not. Where did he talk about faith here? Well, here you have to have the... Ah, you say, there's faith in yourself. Yeah. There's faith in yourself. I didn't... Right? Do you see God mentioned here? 
Right? You want me to translate that? Don't give up hope in the world. Right? Hope for a better world. Or forever. Right? I mean, you see, teach these things together. Don't give up hope. Obviously, that's totally in Hashem. Right? You trust in Hashem. Hashem will be the one, right? Davra Melch constantly gives a voice to the Sintilim. If I was bigger Tom Chachem, I would have the words at the tip of my tongue. It's a constant refrain until him. Right? We say in Davening. Hold up. We say in Davening. We say, um, Right? You turn my my you turn my lament into joy, right? He talks when I was going down to the pits. David Amelach, still him. It's not Rabbi Right? When you are down in the pit, I'm still going to declare your the truth of God. And I go to sleep tears. I soak my tears. I soaked my bed with tears. Okay? So that's, that's such a... So let's, the expression that even though I've walked through a valley of darkness... Yeah. 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 So let's. So, so this, this is this is our todas. Let's finish off with one last thing. So so we said. See, we have like five minutes left. Even if you fall into the place that you fall in, because you strengthen yourself. You strengthen yourself, and now God comes into play. God has opened you. God, you trusted in us. You woke us up for another day. You trusted in us. Modani, I give praise and thanks to you for that. Right? So that gives us strength to return to God. So finish off the last source. And this is also taught together with the, the suffering and the pain. So Rabbi Nachman writes, Rabbi Nachman writes, he says the last source for tonight. Also, Likutamaran, Tinyana, Chavdalid, Mitzvah Gedol Elios Besim Chatamid. It's a great mitzvah to always be in joy. To constantly struggle and to put in effort to push away sadness and marashchora, the black bile of depression. And all the pain that we feel comes from, from ruining and being mekalkel and perverting the idea of our joy. Even, even the great medical minds Right, all of our pain and suffering, right, can find its root in sadness, can find its root in not being happy, right? That it causes all sorts of other things. And in the future, we'll find a time when they were Gamkein Sameach, where they're also happy. And what's the rule? You have to always work the vote of a Jew, right? The Amal, right? The Amal of Shatorah is also the Amal of constantly being chazik yourself to be Ach Sameach. Ach means, and in Becholzos, and despite this, I'm Besimcha. Finally, the Kudus Tovas, there's stuff to be happy about. It is in our nature to sometimes be noted, to lean towards sadness and to lean towards bitterness. 
Because of what happens, Mikra Azman, the things happening around us, Chol Adam Alei Surin, and we've already spoken that our people are filled with suffering. So that knowledge alone, even if we're not constantly aware of it, that knowledge of that existing alone, that pain and suffering, that itself is a reason for us to force ourselves into struggle and to put an effort to be B'Simcha Tamid, always, in happiness. Right? Even if it's silly things, Right, whatever silly thing we, we take that could bring us a little joy, even the silly things, they have their place too. Even though sometimes a broken heart, as we said, is very good. As I've said before, Ibn Nachman says, you know, it's good to sometimes have a broken heart. It's a close cousin of this atzvah, which is very bad. So what do we do? We set aside a time a day to open ourselves up for that. It's very easy sometimes to fall into sin when we're laughing and we have kalus rosh and we fall into sin. But it's much worse to fall into sadness. A person can end up Therefore, we must be in joy and happy and pushing ourselves, being mechazik ourselves to be in joy despite all this. And to set aside the times to open up our hearts, to receive, to open our hearts, to strengthen ourselves, and hopefully we'll have a reason to be in joy, real reason to be in joy at all the times. Thank you.